that we have. Oh, I'm getting there. Be patient with me for a second here. We're in the book of Romans chapter 15. And we are going to look at verses 17 through 29 this morning. Titled the message, Traveling with Paul. You can learn a lot when we spend time with someone. Someone has said uh, you can learn a lot on vacation or a, a trip as you see people in their, uh, out of their comfort zone. Well, turn me to Romans 15. And when you find that, I ask you to stand in God's honor as I read aloud and follow along. Silently. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. By the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I often have been hindered from coming to you. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem, they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I've completed this task and have made sure they have received this fruit, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to worship you this morning. We come to you, Father, and we thank you for a chance to travel with Paul and to see his heart and his life. And Father, to come away a little closer to you as we see your servant. Speak to us, Master. Um, Father, take my weak and feeble words and bring your power. We invite the Holy Spirit among us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We all like being secure and comfortable, and that comes with familiarity. I think that's why we tend to, when we go to places to, like church, sit in the same places. Some have said, well, some people sit there so much they might as well carve their name in the pews. I'm not suggesting that. But there is this point of we're just comfortable and it, it we just feel safe when we follow a schedule or, or we do something the same way time after time. But if you really want to get to know somebody and learn about them, one of the great ways to do that is to take a trip with them, to go on vacation with them. 
And then you may see another side of them as you're out of your comfort zone. Uh, I received a text from Thomas last uh, yesterday at camp, and he said, Does Daniel eat much at home? And I texted him back and said, um, No, not much. Uh, you know, but you don't know these things as you get to know people and, and as you spend time with them. And, and as we look at the text here, we get a picture of the Apostle Paul. You go back uh, to his time and in his day, and he is in a place that is a, a port, a, a, a place we could compare to a, a modern day Las Vegas where there was all kinds of partying and and all kinds of immorality. And, and there was a temple that was frequented that was full of prostitutes, both male and female. And, and, and there was just a lot of moral decay that was around the Apostle Paul. And there was a man who had come to work there and... Uh, he saw this aged guy and he saw scars on his body. He was older by this time and there were obvious uh, place of bones and that showed that he had suffered, fingers bent up out of shape. And of course, as this man came to the Apostle Paul, he was a guy named Tertius. Uh, turn with me to the very last chapter here of Romans 16, verse 22. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Imagine what that must have been like. As he spent time with Paul and as he listened Paul share his heart, his God through the power of the Holy Spirit spoke through the apostle. And Tertius's job was to write this down on, on parchment and so that this letter could be preserved and, and so that we're able to read this now. And so God used Tertius as a very important part of his plan in giving us this letter to the church at Rome. And, and through this uh, letter, we learn about God. And, and through this section of Scripture, we get some glimpses of the Apostle Paul. And... Uh, here as he starts out in verse 17, I want you to see uh, first that he saw himself as a servant. That's his thinking. That's how he viewed himself. Look at verses seven, verse 17. He says, Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. Paul wasn't about elevating himself. He wasn't on some you know rock tour and now the famous Paul. No, he was about Christ. He was about Jesus. I think of John 15, verse 5, where Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Paul understood this. He understood the fact that if anything that was going to last was going to happen, Jesus better be in charge. And the Spirit of God better be free to work through his life. He saw his hands as Jesus' hands. He saw his feet as Jesus' feet. He saw his words as an extension of Jesus Christ. That, that was Paul's heart. He was a servant of Jesus. It wasn't about Paul. It was about Christ. He says, I preach Christ and him crucified. That, that was the heart of Paul. Um, 
Remind me of a story I heard about this week of a little uh, boy in baseball, and he came up to the plate, and he got in position, and ball just kind of barely dribbled off the end of his bat toward the pitcher. He ran to first base, and the pitcher picked up the ball and threw it, and it hit the ball and bounced past first base, and he took off towards second base, and then the first baseman got the ball and threw it in the outfield, and so he kept running. And Of course, the little boy's chasing the ball in the outfield to get it. He rounds third. The boy's huffing, and he's puffing. And then he comes in, he slides in home, and he says, That was my first home run. Had a lot of help. <laughs> and so do we. Uh, just as Lisa's saying, we have the grace of God. We never get somewhere merely by ourselves. God's with us. God is guiding us, I, you know, and of course I, I couldn't help but think of that great song that we sing so much. It was grace that led me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Paul understood that. He said, it's not me, it's God. Notice there in verse 18, as he expresses that, he, he says, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. In leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I've said and done. By the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Spirit. He understood it was through the power of Christ that moved through his life. The importance of, of Jesus and his power being evident. Uh, stories told of a, a group of boys and they went through this church. And uh, one of the boys, he, he looked and he saw these stained glass windows, and as the light shone through, he started asking about, the who is that person, and who, who is this? And, and the teacher said, these are saints, that's St. Peter, and, and so forth. So he went through that. So later in the day, they came back to the classroom, someone asked the class, what is a saint? And the little boy said, a saint is a person that lets the light shine through. And, and that's what a saint is. That's what Paul says. I want the light of Jesus to shine through my life. I want to reflect Christ. I want that light to, to come out of me so that others can see Christ. Um, that's the goal is, you know, I, I don't want to just shine. I want to reflect Christ. I want to be a, a heavenly reflector of what matters. He's a pioneer. Look here, um, starting here at the scripture in verse 20, he says, It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who are not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. Paul's heart was to go somewhere to a people who had never heard about Christ. Uh, it talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 4 through 7. He, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God brought the growth. Paul's heart, what he enjoyed more than anything, was to go somewhere new. He, he loved the idea of a challenge. And not everybody's like that. Not everybody likes to try new things and it makes many of us uncomfortable. But there are some people, they, they become excited. And there's a passion about heading somewhere where no one else has been. 
about being able to be part of a ministry of something new, something that, that's exciting and, and there's energy and that, that comes from that as, as God moves in the heart. It was said of David Livingston many years ago in his call to Africa. They said, uh, Mr. Livingston, where would you go? And he said, I'll go anywhere as long as it's forward. He, he just wanted to march forward for Christ. And it said that when he was out in Africa that there were days he would look out into the African bush and he would see smoke of campfires. And he said it would haunt him. The campfire, the smoke of campfires of a thousand villages. Of those who needed to know Christ. And so he left his comfort zone and, and he went out into these villages as, as he shared Christ. This is the Apostle Paul. He, he left the comfort zone. He was a pioneer and he headed out to share this message. Um, thought it was interesting here as, as he shared and he talked about where he when, as we look down here in the scripture, he says, um, verse 23, but now there's no more place for me to work in these regions. And he talks about in verse 24, he plans to go to Spain. And then in 25, he said, I went on my way to Jerusalem and the servants of the saints there. And he mentions Macedonia. And it's interesting here as I uh, um, looked through the scriptures, uh, verse 19, he says, so from Jerusalem all the way round to Illyricum. That was the third missionary journey. If, if your Bible has maps in the back, I, th I, I thought it was interesting here in, in uh, many of the Bibles. It, it's great every once in a while because the map just gives you a picture of the ministry. And uh, most of the Bibles that have maps in the back will have the some way of being able to express Paul's missionary journeys. I know... Mine has uh, in red the outline of where Paul went on that third missionary journey to share the gospel. Notice as I studied this, it said that he went 1,500 miles approximately. Notice that those of you who are looking on the maps and, and notice that path. I mean, this was they didn't have automobiles. They didn't have planes. I mean, this was a journey that took a long period of time. And Paul met a lot of new people as he took the old, old story to us, but it was the story of Christ to them. And, and uh, as he shared, and, and I looked up, it was interesting, because I looked up, I was trying to find this Illyricum, you know, I couldn't find it on my map, and I thought, what is this? And so as I, as I did some research and studied, I found out that that um, is just above Macedonia, and it was a place of unknown territories. It's like, Going beyond those places that are populated. You know, I, I pictured in my mind going up to some of those places in Appalachia. Where you have some cabins nobody really knows about that may be forgotten. And he was going to those places that weren't necessarily thought of on a map or on a journey. And as, as he went up there to Illyricum, to that place just beyond to share the message of Christ. There may be someone up there that needs to hear. And, and so he shares about that journey, about sharing those dreams, about taking that risk. Someone has said our dreams must be greater than our memories or we become a museum. Wasn't that good? You've heard the saying, process, we need to be a hospital for sinners instead of a museum for saints. Oh, praise God for what He has done, but may we never become so satisfied and where we've been, and seeing the blessings of God, that we don't have a heart to see Him work, and to continue to move, and to touch hearts. 
May our, may our dreams be greater than our memories. May we be more than, than just a memory. May God grab a hold of us and give us a heart and, and eyes that see what He sees and, and, and that kind of heart. But, he, you know, verse 22 does tell us that uh, he was somewhat of a realist. He, he says here, this is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. He did understand that there were some hindrances and, and part of that work meant he wasn't able to be everywhere at the same time. And so as a dreamer, he saw that there were some parts of life that had to be put on hold for a while. Someone has said a, real, a realist puts brakes on a dreamer so he doesn't drive off of a cliff. And so, you know, there are some of these guidelines that have to be, that have to be followed and, and obeyed. But the heart of a dreamer, too often we lose sight of our dreams. Paul had a dream. He wanted to take the gospel. To new places. To people who haven't heard. So that they might have a chance to hear. Man, God bless those people who are able to catch sight of a dream. And to see what other people can't see. That was Paul's heart in missions. As he headed out. He's ready to go. Uh, back in the 1950s. This is Art Linkletter tells us in uh, his biography. Or autobiography. He tells a story of a family friend who was a movie executive taking him out to California out in the middle of some orange groves. Really no people around. An occasional barn that looked like it was falling apart. And this close friend of the family took him out there and said, Look at this wonderful place. One day this place will be packed with people. He said, Look. Look, look, look there in that orange grove. Can't you see it? And he says, I only have enough money to build the amusement park here. But Art, if, if you will invest, there'll be motels here. And, and you'll get a hundred times, at least a hundred times back what you invest in it. Art said, uh, you know, I, I like my friend Walt Disney, but he's a nut. I wanted to say to him, what are you thinking about? There's nothing here. Nobody wants to drive out in the middle of a cow pasture. He said as he thought about it later, every step he took back to the car probably cost him at least a million dollars. Hart Linkletter just wanted his friend to be part of something big. To see the dream. It was said later on that when he went out um, years later to central Florida that he went to a place that was considered to be swampland. And another friend he was with, said, he said to his friend, he said, look, do you see it? Do you see that amusement park there in the swamp? <laughs> and, 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 you know, later on, of course, when Walt, uh, when Disney World was finished, uh, Walt Disney um, had, had died before that time. His brother fit, you know, was able to finish the work and lead the company in that work. And someone said, uh, isn't it a shame? That Walt Disney didn't get to see this place. And the response was, oh, he saw it. He was able to see what others couldn't see. And, and you know, what a great prayer. God, give me the ability to see more than is just there. Help me to see what you're going to do. Help me to see what you want to do, God. Give me vision that goes beyond my sight. Lord, to have that kind of heart. <laughs> Look at uh, verse 24. He, he shares, he says, 
I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Paul talked about his journeys and, and he had this heart to, to go to Spain. He had this heart to see his friends, his beloved brothers and sisters in Christ that were in Rome. And first, he, he had a mission where he had to go to take money that had been collected by Gentile Christians to the church, the Jewish church. It was a way for them to show these believers that, hey, we do care about you. We do love you. I know we see things differently because, you know, there was this battle between the Gentiles and the Jewish Christians. It's not about that. You have a need and, and we want to reach out to you. And, and so God was, was bringing the glue to, to bring the church, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians together. And Paul says, I want to be a part of that. I've got to take this money and I've got to take this blessing that, that's been collected to those Jewish believers. He says, but then I plan to come back to you. Of course, uh, he didn't plan to come back the way he came back. I'm sure he planned to later on have a mission trip, but actually he was taken as a prisoner to Rome by the authorities as he was under a prison guard. And I don't know for sure there are people disagree whether or not he ever got to go to Rome or not. I don't know. I mean, not Rome, Spain. If he ever got to go to Spain or not, he got to go to Rome through the guard. I don't know if he was able to physically get to Spain. He got to Rome in a way that you or I wouldn't prefer under guard, but I guess it was paid by tax dollars, you know, the trip. He was able to uh, arrive there, and that dream was fulfilled, and he was able to share Christ uh, while he awaited uh, the inevitable time with Jesus as he was able to share with guards and able to share that message of Christ and able to fulfill that dream couple of thoughts here uh, as I close the message. Um, life's greatest achievements are accomplished by joint effort. Paul with Tertius, with the Christians at Rome. Paul was never about being a Lone Ranger type of believer. His heart, his vision was to see other people become part of the family of God. He knew that people were gifted differently. And hey, part of the joy of the dream is not experiencing the dream itself. It's the journey toward the dream. The people that God brings along the path. It brings excitement. Uh, secondly, accomplishments are never achieved without hindrances. You know, I don't know why you hear some people talk about this idea of coming to Christ will take away all your problems. I don't know what world they live on or what planet, but Jesus certainly didn't say that. He said, uh, you're going to have trouble, but he says, be of good cheer. Take heart. I've overcome the world. And it, he didn't say that we wouldn't have trouble. He said that he would bring us through that trouble. We'd be overcomers. And, and, and so Paul's heart, he'd been through some troubles. He had some scars. He had, he had some pain, but God brought him through. Um, and then next... Uh, Hindrances are overcome by sustained hope. It's not what we face, it's who we face it with. It's the fact that Jesus says, hey, I'm not going to abandon you. Although sometimes we feel alone. 
And Paul caught sight of that in his letters. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Precious words. There were times where Paul would become discouraged. There were times where Paul would beat himself up as he, at least was talking about past. He, he would remember his past and at one point what he had done to God's people and to the church. And that's why he called himself the greatest sinner of all and the least of the apostles because he, he suffered through all that. But the bottom line is God forgives. The, the bottom line is there's hope. That's what I always love about Christianity. There's always hope. And, and, and so, you know, uh, be enthusiastic. Stay positive. Now, the, the word enthusiastic literally means with God. Amen. When you see things with God, how can there not be a sense of enthusiasm? We are overcomers through Christ. It says in First uh, John 4, verse 4, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. In the book of Romans, uh, Romans 12, he, he um, talks about if God is for us, who can be against us? God, God is all-powerful, and, and God says there's victory in me. So be enthusiastic. Quit looking like you've been baptized in pickle juice. You know, you're blessed. Uh, and then lastly, Nothing is ever achieved without enthusiasm. We need to get a hold of that hope. Too often we worry instead of look to Him. Now I know sometimes I look the part. But somehow may God give me, may God give you a long-term look to see that what awaits us is hope. And what awaits us is Him. And that now He is weaving and working out in some way that we may not be able to grasp or understand His plan. Um, you know how many times we quote Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. We need to, we need to get a hold of that. And, and, and that was Paul's heart. Not that he had a perfect ministry by any means, but that he believed in a perfect God to take him through. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for a chance to look at your servant, Paul, to travel with him a little bit, Lord. Father, I think of Tertius. What a blessing to spend that time with Paul. To hear your word and to be able to be the scribe, the one to write it down. Father, uh, write your word upon our hearts. That there might be a genuine enthusiasm that comes from a living hope. That Christ Jesus lives inside. And that he wants to come out and touch lives. Yeah. So Father, that's the prayer as we look at Paul. We all aren't called to be super uh, you know, ministers or celebrities or whatever that is. But we are called to walk with you. And that leads us to others. And so I pray as Paul obviously exemplified this, Lord, that we'd be encouraged to be what you want us to be. And to see as you see, Lord. To catch sight of that vision, Father. It may not be across the world. It may be across the street. But, Father, may we see what you want, Lord. In Christ's name we pray.
altar is open. If God has called you, I encourage you to come um, to pray. Come to front if there's something he wants to say through you as we stand and as we sing and as we obey.